Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. Thank you all for gathering here this morning. And uh, as always, thanks for bringing the church into a YMCA gymnasium or bringing the church into whatever space you happen to be in. So if you're at home uh, gathering around you know, dining room table in your living room, wherever you happen to be, uh, thanks for inviting us into those spaces. And if we've never met before, my name is Jamie. It's my joy to be one of the pastors here at Crosspoint. Uh, excited about this upcoming uh, week, as Pastor Eric made mention of, with the Christmas Eve service. And so also just, yeah, be praying um, and also in inviting folks to come. Uh, so praying that you would invite friends, neighbors, coworkers, family members uh, to come and join you. Um, and it's our plan as well to, uh, if they don't want to still join in person, to be able to do a live stream uh, as well. And so this morning we are in week four of our Advent uh, series, all right? And so we've been journeying through this each week looking at these different themes. And so we've looked at hope and we've looked at joy. Last week we looked at peace. And this morning we're gonna spend some time looking at this idea of love, which can be very misunderstood in our, in our culture, right? Like we can use that phrase, that, that word, like I love somebody, like you might express love to a family member, to a spouse, to a child, and also say like, I love tacos, right? I mean, it's like this whole, like, wait. Uh, but what does it actually mean to understand the love that God has for us and then to express that love to him. Because the reality is if we pay attention to the scriptures over and over again, there's this theme of our call to respond in love. As God has loved us, how do we respond in, in love to him? Because the story of Christmas, this Advent season, is about God's unbelievable love that he came to dwell among us, to set everything right. And so when Jesus is asked, if you know this, all right, and it's not just a New Testament reference, it goes all the way back to the ancient scriptures of the Old Testament as well as the, the New, there's this call to love. And so when Jesus is even asked, like, hey, what's my ultimate purpose? Like, what am I called to do? Like, what's the greatest of the commandments, all right? One of the places he answers that question is in Mark chapter 12. Here's the words, Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength. Like there's this totality. This is how we're to respond. And so I wanna put before us th this morning this question, like how can we actually express love to God? If that's our calling to love God with everything that we have, like our mind, soul, strength, everything, like how can we actually express that love to God? And why is it that we're actually expressing love to God? Like how do these things all fit together. And so one of the best places to explore that is the passage that was just read a few moments ago, all right, as we had the Advent candle lit. And if you're familiar with that story, um, there's, a, there's a term, there's a phrase that's been used about that passage out of Luke chapter one, as we get this word, like Mary has just been told that she's going to be with child, all right? And then she goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, and we'll look at this more detail in a moment. And then she busts into song. And historically, all right, the Latin phrase for this, it's been called the Magnificat, all right? And it's just her response of love to God who has loved her, has bestowed this blessing that she's gonna give birth to the Messiah, to the Savior of the world. And so she responds in song. Now, you can give me a show of hands if you want, all right? But how many of you are the folks that are like, yeah, don't tell me what to do about Christmas songs. If I wanna to listen to Christmas songs in July, I will listen to Christmas songs in July. We got any people like that? All right. Um, you've got a verse here, I think, to back you up if anybody ever gives you a hard time because this is the first Christmas song, all right? And it's nine months before she gives birth, all right? So when March rolls around, you're like, 
putting your Christmas carols back on and people are like, turn that off. You're like, the Bible, right? And so, anyway, so first Christmas song. So the Magnificat, Mary responds. She expresses love because she knows that she's been so radically loved by God. And so I wanna explore this and I think there's some beautiful themes in this that'll help us understand not only the love that God has for us, but then how in turn we can rightly understand like what's our calling in life. And so this Advent season reminds us that we're called to love God. And so, as was read earlier, we're gonna look at this. Luke chapter one, we would encourage you, if you got a Bible, please turn there. And as always, you can go get your phone out, go to cpwp.life, swipe over to the second card that says message notes, and you can follow along, all right? Now, kids, both here in person and those of you watching online, you guys have done a great job. Week two was last week, you guys doing sermon notes, taking notes, bringing them to me afterwards. I will be out in the lobby afterwards, all right? Same deal, we got a prize for you. Kids that are watching online, if you send that in, here's my email address again, jamie at cpwp.org. We will put a prize in the mail for you and have that delivered with the amount of mail that's being sent. It'll probably show up in the new year, but whatever, right? Like, uh, we'll get that out to you um, this week. And so please take notes, do that. There's a lot of amazing things in here. Look forward, kids, to hearing what, like, what, how God speaks to you, all right? And even in this passage we're gonna look at, there's some remarkable things that are spoken about how God uses people in unexpected ways, people that are very young, as we'll see in this passage, all right? So we'll look through this kind of section by section. I want us to think about this and kind of answering the question, love, like how is it actually expressed? And so as we look at verses 39 to 45, I'll read these words again. Mary has just been visited by the angel. The birth of Jesus is foretold. And then her immediate response, I'm sure she's overwhelmed, I'm sure she's got a lot of questions, but her immediate response is she goes and she seeks out her relative Elizabeth. And so the first thing I put before you in this is we just think about love expressed, it's not a solo endeavor. So love is expressed in relationships. That's the first thing I want us to see this morning. So look with me, verses 39 to 45. It says this, in those days, Mary arose, it says, and she went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we just pause for a moment, do you remember the, the story? If we were to go back just a little bit in the account, Elizabeth and Zechariah are quite advanced in years at this point. Elizabeth has been barren. They've longed to have children. They've never been able to have kids. And her husband, Zechariah, all right, he is a priest. And one day he is there and he's making a sacrifice. And there's a, uh, there is, he's offering this kind of offering to, to God. He is visited by an angel. And an angel tells him, right, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to actually have a child. And Zechariah is kind of like, really? Like, he responds with some disbelief. And so God tells him, basically, listen, the angel says, this is going to happen, but until your wife actually gives birth, you won't actually be able to speak, all right? So I'm speaking this word to you. You've not believed me. And so, here, you're gonna be mute until the time in which the, the child is born. And it's to this person that Mary runs to. And I know this isn't the main point of this passage or even this sermon, but just as a quick anecdote, I want us to hear this. There's an interesting thread is throughout the scriptures of how God works in unexpected ways through unexpected people. Wouldn't you think for a moment, who was gonna get it right? 
the seasoned veteran priest named Zechariah or the eighth grader probably, the third, 13, 14-year-old Mary. Like, who's gonna get it right? Who's gonna believe the word of the angel, all right? Who's gonna trust? Who's gonna obey? One would think contemporary wisdom, like, right, would say, well, of course, Zechariah, he knows the scriptures, he knows that, but he doesn't. And so even kids that are here at this point, just let me encourage you, like, there is this beautiful thing that happens when God works through those that are young, those that actually may, might think, like, well, God can't use me at this time. Maybe it's when I get older, and once again, the unexpected, the young, are showing up those that should know better. So what do we have here? This really interesting contrast. And so even, well, I'll keep reading, but Elizabeth is gonna respond. And you have to imagine that Zachariah is probably hearing this and he can't say anything, but he's like, oh my goodness, I'm getting upstaged by the 13-year-old girl who actually did believe. So I'll, I'll keep reading this account, all right? So when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, and this is John the Baptist that she's carrying, leaped in her womb, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 42. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb, and why is this granted to me, and now so fascinating here, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. What an amazing declaration that she makes. She recognizes that the, the baby, that we're like, I don't know, a week into the pregnancy at this point, is already identified as that's the Lord. Mother of my Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then verse 45, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I have to imagine Zachariah heard that, like this blessing being pronounced. Girl, you listened, you obeyed, bless you. You're gonna be blessed. All generations are gonna speak of you. You're part of this story. And I have to imagine Zachariah is there just like, and maybe he didn't even want to say anything at this point, but he can't either, right? It's just this reminder of like, are we going to trust God? Are we going to press in? And so in all of this, the big idea I think that we're seeing here, it's so fascinating that she right away, yes, she's overwhelmed. I'm sure she's excited. She's got lots of questions. She pursues community. She pursues relationship. And so if we're going to express love as we're called to, Please hear this. It's never a solo endeavor. We're gonna get into this more even in the new year as we start out in January, um, kind of our sermon series. But just right now, just wanna remind us, all right, even in the chaos and the difficulty even that it is to maintain relationships in this time, and I know we've gotta go by you know, certain safety protocols and all that, but it is not the time to check out of relationship. Our call to love God with all of who we are is impossible if we're trying to do it on our own. Like God has given us the church so we might spur one another on. Because the reality is this, there are times I don't want to love God with all of who I am. And your love of him helps me love God better. This is how the church works, this is how we function as a body. There are times I'm sure that whether you're gathering online right now or here in person, and maybe your heart wasn't in it this morning, but what God does is when we gather together, he warms our hearts, he stirs our affections for the Lord. It is so important that we're connected to one another and we have to fight for this. And we've realized that even in this, this particular season that we've been in. Like I love the way Martin Luther talks about this and I know Mary and Elizabeth hanging out, this is not a church gathering. The bigger point is simply being together with fellow believers. Now, Martin Luther talking about the gathering of the church says this. He says, at home in my own house, he says, there's no warmth or vigor in me, but in the church, 
When the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. What is he talking about? Just this reminder. Man, there are sometimes I, I don't feel it. There are times I'm just like, I don't know if this is even wor- worth the effort. But when we get together with God's people, fellow like sojourners, fellow sinners, it's not perfect. There's no perfect church, but we still need one another. And I love that Mary demonstrates that for us. Like love is expressed. If she's going to express love to God, there's this relationship and she goes and that they can actually celebrate together. And as we look at this, as we think about our own story, the reality is Mary's in a, a unique spot. None of us will ever be able to say, all right, like, yeah, I gave birth to the savior of mankind, right? Like that's, that's her story. That's a very unique thing. But when we see the storyline of the scriptures, we realize that for Mary, there's this miraculous conception, there's this miraculous birth, and there's at a different level, there is for Elizabeth as well. But every single one of us, if you're here this morning, in person, online, gathered here, if you're a follower of Jesus, there has been a miracle that's taken place. There is a miraculous new birth that has occurred. And part of this call is like, are you and I marveling at that miraculous new birth? Like God has done a work and we get to celebrate that together in community. So that's the first thing I think we see. Now, as we look at verses 46 to 50, there's kind of this two-part thing that's happening. I put before you this, that love is actually experienced in, in remembering. As we recognize, as we stop, we pause, we consider, we marvel at all that God has done. We become aware of who we are in light of who he is. And so there's kind of two parts to this. In this call to remember, Mary spends time as she busts into song remembering her condition And then she also remembers who God is. And so church, if we're going to express love to God, if we're going to respond to the love that we've received, it would be helpful. And this is a theme that's come up. It came up last week in the text that we were in. It's all throughout the scriptures. There's got to be this recognition, I put it before you, of one, our condition, but then also God's character. And how does God work in and through us as broken, sinful people. And so the way this starts out is we look at uh, beginning in verse 46, it says, and Mary said, and here's the song, right? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. And so we see, and we hear these words, and there's just a couple things that are happening. When it says soul and spirit, it's not speaking of two different things. It's a way to describe the totality, like this integration of like, this is her entire being. And her entire being, it says, magnifies the Lord. The language here is it's enlarging the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that she's making God bigger. God has always been majestic and powerful and sovereign. We can't wrap our minds around it. And us singing songs to him doesn't make him any bigger or stronger or more powerful. But this idea gets at this, that she's saying, my view of him is being enlarged. My view of him is being magnified. And so I'm giving all that I have, like every bit of me to enlarge, to magnify, to make much of the Lord. And this is partly what expressing love to God looks like. Like, is he magnified in your life? Maybe another way to think about it is this, is God being enlarged in your life? As you think back on this very unusual year that 2020 has been, 
Has your view of God, has it grown? Has it increased? Has there been more worship? Has there been more praise? Has there been more love expressed as you understand more and more just how amazing he is? Now, again, that's not a solo endeavor, and that doesn't mean your heart is always stirred with all kinds of affection. Sometimes it's gonna be a grind, but as you stop and you consider, do you realize the God of the universe loves you, pursues you, calls you his his children, gives you a seat at the table, all of these things. So is God being enlarged in your life. And part of the way that this happens is when there's this juxtaposition of like who God is and also a continued recognition and a willingness to look at our own hearts to examine our own condition. Because as she continues in this, she sings these words, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for he has looked. And so for one, Mary is encouraged. God has looked at her. God has seen her. God knows her story. God knows her insecurities. God knows everything that she struggled with. I mean, let's think about this for a moment, right? Like, let's not over-idealize this. This is a mid, like middle school-aged girl, more than likely, all right? I've never talked to a middle school aged girl that's just been like, life's amazing all the time. It's just awesome, right? She's got her own struggles, her own thing. Like she's just trying to figure out like who she is in the world and like, oh, by the way, you are gonna carry you know, uh, the savior in your womb, right? Like there's a lot of pressure, all right? And she knows and she recognizes the Lord has seen me, he has looked on and her response is, I'm his servant. And there's a recognition, this humble estate, it's this, it's this recognition that on her own, she can't make herself lovable enough that God would accept her on her merits. She recognizes that the people that she's part of have been a, 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 the chosen people of God and yet rebellion and shortcoming and sin and shame. She's like this humble estate, like we want to do better but we haven't been able to and so she knows that she's part of this brokenness. And it's not just out there in the world, like she knows it's in her own heart. She knows that she's trapped. And in this spot, she's actually positioned to express love. Because when you realize your need, when you realize that you're stuck, when you realize that you're trapped, when you realize that you've got no hope except for God and that fact that he has rescued you, your heart then is stirred and there's this expression of love. I don't know how many of you are following uh, th this week, all right? Um, there are parts of the country that get this stuff every now and again that falls from the heavens and it's white and it's very cold, all right? And so those of you that have grown up somewhere outside of Florida know that it does snow around this time of year. And there's particular places in the country where sometimes it's not just a little bit of snow, it's like life-altering amounts of snow, all right? And so this past week, if you were following any of this, you know that portions of uh, like the Northeast just got pounded, like over 40 inches of snow within a few hours dumped on places like upstate New York and in other parts. And perhaps you saw, or maybe you heard this story, um, this, this gentleman named Kevin. And Kevin is out that night as the storm is descending, all right? And he's driving through the snow and he has car trouble and he has to pull over to the side of the road, all right? And so the, the belt, the serpentine belt on his car apparently like had, had broke, all right? And so at this point, like nothing will start, nothing will work. He's on the side of the road and he starts calling for help. Hey, I'm, I'm, at this, I'm at this road, he's trying to find help. And while he's doing this, 
if you read this news account, you know how terrifying this is. With all the snow that was falling, the snow plows started coming. And the snow plows went down that road and pushed so much snow that it buried poor Kevin in his car, which will not start, and eventually his cell phone even went out. And so there are police that are out trying to find this man, Kevin. They can't locate him. The next morning, they're out. We're 10 hours into this at this point. We, as if I was part of it. They're 10 hours into this, right? Um, and he is there, hypothermia setting in, frostbite, like all, all this sort of stuff that, it, that he's dealing with. And there's a police officer that's like, I know it's, he's, there was a caller that had called in from this road. And he's like, he thinks he sees like the tops of some mailboxes. So he's trying to figure out the address. So he gets a shovel and he, go, he goes out and here's, uh, this is the scene, all right? Out in front of this house, he starts digging, trying to get a mailbox and he starts hitting something. And he realizes he's hit the windshield of Kevin's car. And so he begins digging this man out of him. And that, there was his car. And so for ten, over 10 hours, he was trapped there. Now, apparently he's fine. Just picture, you go read the article, the cop that found him, him, you know, Kevin isn't, was in the hospital. They're making sure he, he's doing okay. But a very miraculous story, great rescue story. But that picture there, I mean, some of you are like gonna have nightmares about this, right? I mean, that sort of helplessness, Trapped, stuck, can't get out. Does anybody see me? Does anybody hear? Is anybody gonna find me? And the story of Advent, the story that Mary is singing, the way she's expressing love, is I was trapped, I was buried, I was a goner. And the Lord has seen me, and the Lord has pursued me, and the Lord has dug me out of the mess that, that I'm in. I mean, this is reason to celebrate. And so no wonder she breaks into song because she understands her condition apart from God. And the question becomes, do you and I, like Mary, do we understand our humble estate? Do we understand that we have sinned and rebelled against God, that we have shaken our fists at the heavens and said, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I'm gonna speak my truth and I'm gonna do what I wanna do because I'm what the story revolves around. Like that's all of us. And it leads to death and devastation, being cut off from God. Like poor Kevin trapped in his car, wondering will anybody actually ever rescue him? And Mary knows, oh my goodness. Like there's this rescue story that she's been part of. Jesus, if we were to flip the, the pages, just a few pages over in, in, the, in Luke's account, Luke's gospel account, we would get to his first sermon ever preached. And in Luke chapter four, these words are spoken as Jesus gets out the scroll. It's these words out of Isaiah. It says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. So look at these words in bold. Poor, captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim the grace of God, to proclaim the story that God is on a rescue mission. And until you and I see that that's our condition, that we are poor, that we are captives, that we are blind, that we are oppressed, and it's not just things that have been done to us. This is what we have brought upon ourselves. Until you and I recognize that, our hearts will never sing and express the love to God that we're called to express and to experience that joy that goes with it. Until we realize our humble estate, until we realize our condition. So no wonder Mary responds with such exaltation and expressing of love. She's like, this is amazing. 
the favor of God. Now, related to that, as this continues, it's both recognizing her condition, but then she also, she begins to sing about the character of God. And you see how these go together. And I want to ask us to consider, are you remembering the character of God? And the language that's used here, there's a recognition that the Lord is mighty, that he's holy, he's merciful. It speaks of his faithfulness through the generations. Verse 49, and he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Verse 50. And his mercy, it's for those who fear him from generation to generation. There's a faithfulness there. His mercy, for those who fear him, for those who recognize their own condition, for those who would be willing to cry out. Do you think Kevin in his car had any issue calling out? Do you think, his, did you think there was a moment where like, eh, you know what, I'm, I'm a kind of a prideful man. I think I can get myself out of this. No, like there's a desperation of just like, dude, I gotta cry out. I mean, I'm sure there was a panic when nobody seemed to respond. That's the desperation. And all we are called to do is to offer to God our helplessness and to remember and to cling to his mercy, to his might, his holiness, which he would give us through his son. Like we get his righteousness, all of that. And so there's a call, will will we sing that? Advent is an invitation to sing and to remember the character of God, the nature of our God, the one who would pursue us. There's a story maybe you're familiar with that I've I've enjoyed even just kind of during this Advent season. We've looked at some, you know, well-known hymns, carols, things like Joy to the World. We looked at it a few weeks ago. Um, And there was a a, uh, well-respected, this is in the 1860s, um, a man by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, all right? Um, This this poet, this literary critic wrote remarkable things. But one of the things he's most famous for, um, and here's a picture of him and uh, a a poem that, that he penned that's been turned into a song as well. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. And perhaps you're super familiar with him, but in case you're not, there's a really fascinating account of like, why did he pen the particular lyrics? Because it's not just in, like there's a context for things, right? Because at one point in this particular poem, which has you know, been made into a song, these words were written, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And then he says this, And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do you feel sort of the dissonance there? He's like, man, I want to be able to sing that. I want to be able to declare that. I want to maybe even be like Mary, like expressing love. But sometimes it's hard. And this year has reminded us of that. Like, it feels this way, like the the enemy is winning. It feels like hate is going to have the final say. And why was he writing these particular words? the, The story is this. It was Christmas morning in 1863 that he penned these particular words, the words that I just read to you. And he'd been dealing with much grief and he heard the bells out in the kind of the town square and he heard people singing and declaring, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And it didn't quite land the way that he wanted to. He wanted to have that joyous celebration of Christmas morning and he wasn't feeling it. And if you knew his story, it's understandable because just two years prior in 1861, his beloved wife with whom he had had six children with, she, he was asleep one night and she, a terrible fire broke out in their home. In fact, like her dress caught on fire. And so Henry, he wakes up 
to the sight of his wife, to the sounds of his wife dealing with, with this. And he grabs like a rug and he tries to put it around her and he lays down himself on top of her just trying to put the flames out. To the point that he was so badly burned, like that picture I showed you, like that, that dude has an amazing beard, right? It's before like the hipster thing happened, all right? Like this was him covering up all the ways his face had been marred and mangled and burned that never fully recovered, just to cover that up. And less than 24 hours after him trying to rescue his wife, she passed away from just su such severe burns. And so the man is grieved and now he is a widow and he's got these children and his oldest boy, were, it's also the country you talk about like, hey, we feel some unrest and some division. They're in the middle of the Civil War and he's living in Massachusetts and his oldest son decides, I wanna enlist, I wanna go fight, I wanna be part of this, what's, what's happening. And it was mid-December then of 1863, because his son went earlier that, that year, that a telegram arrives, all right, and he finds out that his son has been shot during battle, has been shot through the shoulder, and there's a chance as surgery is going to be done that he might actually be paralyzed. So you just think about this. The whole country's in turmoil. He's lost his wife. He's trying to care for all of these children. His oldest is now fighting in civil war and has been shot. And so he goes with one of his other sons to Washington, D.C. to get his son, to bring him home. Surgery is going to happen. And now it's Christmas morning. He's finally made it his way back. And he hears the bells playing and he hears the people singing. And have you had this experience? Like you're having a bad day and somebody's all chipper and joyful and you're just like, hmm, I wanna punch you in the throat, but I probably shouldn't do that, right? And kids don't write that down, okay? Like, right, like you have that moment. You're like, I'm just not in the mood for it. And so he hears the bells and it's sort of tormenting. It's no wonder. I mean, you think about that, right? No wonder he would write, and in despair, I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth. Hate is strong and it mocks the song. But then if you know these these words, if you know this poem, if you know this song, you know that there is a turn that takes place because what does he do? He begins to look past circumstances. It's difficult and it's challenging. He doesn't have his head buried in the sand like as if there's no pain. I mean, he's talking about it. He's singing it. He's writing it. But he also remembers the character of his God. And it's why he could pen then these words as part of the same poem. And I, and I love this, that there's this honesty. This seems terrible and yet I'm gonna rejoice. That's the story we see in the scriptures. And so he pens these words. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. What does he do? He calls to mind, not just his circumstances. He grieves him. He feels the dissonance. It's probably not gonna be his greatest Christmas ever. And yet... He's like, these bells, though they feel like they're taunting me right now, they also speak of a day that is going to come when God is gonna set everything right. He's gonna wipe away every tear. The wrong shall fail and the right prevail. That Jesus is righteous. He will set everything the way that God originally intended it to be. This is the story that we're part of. And so we express love to God when we remember our condition and we remember the story that we're part of. And Mary is singing this song with this recognition that God is mighty and that he's holy and that he's merciful and that he's faithful. And there's nothing that can happen that will stop Jesus from advancing, from his church from advancing, from the kingdom of God advancing. And what this speaks to then, and we'll close with looking at these last few words, is Mary in verses 
51 to 56. She sings words that are written in a tense that's like, this has already happened. And even though it hadn't yet occurred, we know the truthfulness of this. We know where the story is headed for her, for her son, for the Messiah. We live on the other side of that now. We long for the second advent, but there's these words that speak of the reversal that God is going to do. And so love is expressed when we understand, all right, the reversal, the way that God is at work in transforming everything, working through unexpected ways. So here are these verses, 51 to 56. She's continuing in her song. He has shown strength with his arm. Again, she's remembering who God is. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. Like they're trying to come together, all the proudful, you know, prideful people. And she's like, she's scat, he's scattering them. Now look at some of the reversal here, verse 52. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. So at a time they might've had power and influence and everything that they wanted. And he's exalted those of what? There's that phrase, there's those words again of humble estate. In God's kingdom, it's not those who have the power and the might into themselves. It's those that recognize, I've got no power. I've got no might. I've got nothing to contribute. I'm crying out. I am desperate for help. Those are the ones that he exalts. He's exalted those of humble estate. It's a reversal that's taking place. He has filled the hungry with good things. You're hungry. You're starting. He, he's giving you your fill. And the rich, he has sent away empty. Those who thought, I can earn. I can do this. I can achieve. I will fill my life with enough things that will satisfy, they actually experience an emptiness. And those that know their hunger, those that know their desperation, they're actually filled. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. There's just this long lineage, the story of God's reversals, the way that he's working in unexpected ways. And it says, Mary remained with her about three months and return to her home. So church, hear this. At the end of the day, we express love to God, not to earn the affection of God, because we already have the affection of God that's been set upon us if we've trusted in Christ's work, if we've cried out to him, as we continue to cry out to him, we ask for mercy, we ask him to, to meet us in our needs, all the challenges and the things that, that come up, the things that have come up in this year, the things that will come up in the weeks and the months ahead, but we cry out to him, we ask him, we trust that he's gonna be merciful, he's gonna be faithful, this is who he is, he can't go against his character, and the nature this, of the gospel message is what looked like weakness was ultimately strength. What looked like defeat was ultimately the ultimate victory. St. Augustine penned these words. Look at this reversal. Look at the upside down nature of this Christmas story. Man's maker was made man. Just wrap your mind around that for a moment if you can. Like the maker of all humanity was made man. That he, the ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. That the bread might hunger that the fountain might thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey. Upside down. This doesn't make any sense from our vantage point, but this is how God works. Augustine would continue. He says this, that the truth 
might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, and that life itself might die. We wonder what this Christmas story is. We wonder, like, how can we express love? It's when we understand the love that God has expressed toward us, the way that he has pursued us, the way that he has entered in, that God has dwelt with us, that Jesus himself took on flesh and blood, lived a sinless life, perfectly obedient to the Father, never once straying, and yet is hung on a Roman cross where you and I deserve to be. Wrath of God poured on him, separated from God the Father, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like none of this makes sense. None of this was the expected way of deliverance and of victory. But there's a reversal that takes place. And what looked like certain defeat three days later was the ultimate victory. And Jesus conquering Satan, sin, that this is the story that we're part of. This is why Mary rejoices. And the things that she sang, she couldn't have possibly known all the ways this would be fulfilled, but she sang in a way, this has happened. Like she knew that her God was going to do this under the inspiration of the Spirit, proclaiming the, these words. It's as good as done. And we know what God has done. And we have reason to trust that he will be faithful. He's gonna come back. He's gonna set everything right. And so as we prepare our hearts for communion, a meal that's given to us that we might remember the love that God has for us, let me encourage us with these last words out of 1 John chapter four. It says this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his son into the world. Wanna know how God expressed love to you? He sent his son into the world so that we might live through him, so that we might actually find life. In this is love, not that we have loved God. It didn't start there. This call to express love to God is not because like, oh, that way God will turn his affection toward, no, no, no. We are simply responding to the love that we've received that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, which means, that's a big word, but think about it this way, that he has he's turned the wrath of God into favor, that Jesus took the wrath that you and I deserve, and it didn't just end there, but now it's turned to favor, that God, when he looks at you, he can speak the words over you and me that he spoke over his son, with you I am well pleased. I'm proud of you, I love you. I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that you're part of the family. That he's rejoicing over you right now with a song of love and of praise that you're part of his family, that you belong to him. And so I wanna give us just a moment here as the worship team's gonna come back up. We're gonna sing together and we're gonna participate in a, in a meal together in just a moment. But would you take time, you can do this seated you can do this while you sing the song but just take time to be reflecting and asking the spirit what do i need to repent of in what ways have i made the story about me where have i failed to express uh, love and appreciation to god where have i lost sight of the story to remember that and we're going to rejoice together and so as the team comes back up i'll close this in, in prayer but when you're ready, come up and get the elements if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're at home, we invite you to the table as well. And so you can go and get the, the communion elements after we sing this next song together.
I'll come back up and guide us through this time, this meal that we get to enjoy where we celebrate the love that God has for us. All right, so let me pray for us and uh, we'll continue our service. Father in heaven, thank you for your pursuit of us, your faithfulness toward your promises. Jesus, we thank you for your willingness to enter in as the ultimate servant. That you came not to be served, but to serve and to give your life as a ransom. And so God, we thank you for this remarkable story that we're part of. We thank you for the ways that we got to see how young Mary responded in love. And Holy Spirit, would you remind us that we're part of this story as well? Would you lead us in your kindness, lead us in repentance so we might experience again and again just the joy of being saved by you, being rescued by you. We were once dead, we were trapped, we were separated from you. God, you have rescued us, you've brought us home, and so we give you praise for that. And so God, as we sing now, as we participate in this, this meal, God, I pray in all of it, God, that you would get your glory, that you would hear your people expressing love to you because we are so gripped by the love that you have for us. So give us a deep joy as well as we praise and worship you and pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.